Well, that was brilliant, wasn't it? Some really useful resources. So download that uh, application, that Toucan. Have a look at that. Me and JJ started to do that quite some months ago when Nick and Ruth told us about it. We need to finish it off, but um, what a great, uh, useful resource there. The title of the sermon series that we've been looking at, which we started last week, was How to Scale Your Everest. In order for us to activate our dream, our chosen goal, our Everest, there will be key challenges we will need to face and overcome to scale it. God wants to help you to break sound barriers, smash through glass ceilings, and cause you to venture into the adventure of uncharted waters this year. We're after practical keys, aren't we? To smashing through into realms never touched and heights never scaled. Our personal Everest. God wants to decage you. He wants you to reach Everest. He's after smashing your personal best. Last week we looked at a powerful challenging message. We looked at attitude sickness being a major consideration, altitude sickness being a major consideration on expeditions to climb Everest. And we stated that in our wanting to conquer our personal Everest, that overcoming attitude sickness, our own attitudes are the thing that we will we will that will either get us to the summit or stop us dead in our tracks and that's why we put attitude front and center the first message last week if you missed this message it really did speak powerfully to those that were here last week and several people have listened to the podcast and it's really spoken to them in different ways so have a look have a listen should i say to our podcast i really believe it will speak to you and help you let's just pray together father we pray as we look to this next message on overcoming and on scaling our everest Father, I pray that it will speak clearly to us. I pray, Lord Jesus, you will shake us. I pray, Lord Jesus, you will speak directly to us. May your word be sharp and to the point this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. We will be looking this week at setting our sight on the summit. Setting our sight on the summit. To begin with, we will have to recognize the reason why there are few Edmund Hillary's. That's the guy that scaled Everest, or the guy known to have scaled Everest. Uh, there's few Edmund Hillary's in this world. There's a reason for that. We have to understand that give or take, he has probably the same physical strengths and weaknesses than most of us have. He probably has the same mental capacity as every, every everyday person on the planet. Therefore, we must come to the conclusion that it is not a biological thing which differentiates him and made him an Everest conqueror. Then what helped him to achieve this amazing feat and not the majority of other people? This is a quotation from Edmund Hillary himself. It is not the mountain we conquer, but ourselves. Very clear and to the point. It is not the mountain we conquer, but ourselves. Let me tell you a little story. This is an excerpt that somebody else wrote. 
As my friend was passing the elephants, he suddenly stopped, confused by the fact that these huge creatures were being held by only a small rope tied to their front leg. No chains, no cages. It was obvious that the elephants could at any time break away from the ropes they were tied to. But for some reason, they did not. My friend saw a trainer nearby and asked him why these beautiful, magnificent animals just stood there and made no attempt to get away. Well, he said, when they were very young and much smaller, we used the same size of rope to tie them, and at that age, it's enough to hold them. As they grow, they are conditioned to believe they cannot break away. They believe the rope can still hold them, so they never try to break free. My friend was amazed. These animals could at any time break free from their bonds, but because they believed they couldn't, they were stuck right where they were. How powerful those elephants are! Yet because of the restriction at an early age, they think they're still restricted when fully grown. Do I hear an amen? Is the clocks, is the, uh, is the lights turning on in some people's minds? As we look at our own lives, how so many of us have lived restricted by a prison with no walls. Is there an amen in the house? People understanding, looking at themselves, going, mm, I can associate with something of that in my life. I want you to know the most, that most of humanity across the world today are like these elephants. We even have stories about our own rope, our own peg. We could tell a thousand stories about our rope and peg, but all it would take is one tug and we could be off. What dreams are there in the room today? What dream did God plant in your heart? I haven't got time to explain how for so much of my life and still today I can relate to the elephant story. My parents said that I could do anything I wanted when it came to finishing school. You can do anything you want, Michael. And they genuinely meant that. But in my own thinking, I could do very, very, very little. You see, I was in a prison with no walls. A prison of the limitations of my own thinking that restrained me. I don't know about you, but that was the story of my life. Ah. I've got another quote by a guy called Don Ward. If you're going to doubt something, doubt your limits. You like that? If you're going to doubt something, doubt your limits. Most of us live in confinement, in a box with no walls and no roof. We live a restricted life in a prison of our own minds. Therefore, Hillary's statement that we've already looked at, it is not the mountain we conquer but ourselves is so true. Last week we looked at our attitudes and this week we venture into our focus, our vision, our direction and aim. We're looking at setting our sights on the summit. Are any of us in the room or listening to the podcast ready to break free from the matrix, break off our rope and peg, lift our eyes to the summit and focus on how we will reach there? Then let's go.
I have three points to this message. The first one is vision. Where is your sight set? Where is your sight set? Our sights can be on all sorts of different things. 24-7, we live in the most bombarded age with sound bites, vying for our attention, visual stuff. We must have visual overload in this day and age. But where is your sight set? Where is your sight set? We've already touched on why so many people don't scale their own personal Everest despite having the same capacity to do so. Reasons can be things like fear, the past, restrictions both real and perceived, preoccupations. But sometimes in the midst of all that stuff, God gives us a seed. It's not like the size of a tower block when it comes. It's the size of a seed. How many people know seeds are very, very powerful? Huge English oaks come from acorns. When God gives you that seed, when you receive it, what will you do with it? Will you put it in a drawer? Plant it. Exactly. Give that person a sweet. It could come in the form of, you know, will you leave that service? Will you shake the hand on the front door? Will you lead the prayer time? Will you lead the Bible study? Or maybe at work it might be someone asks you to be in charge that particular day because the supervisor hasn't turned up. I don't know. But it comes in the form of a seed. And what will you do with it? Maybe here this morning you're saying, I'm happy without vision, Pastor Michael. I'm happy without direction. I'm happy without planning or purpose. What's all this talk for? I just wanted to hear the Bible. Well, here you have it then. The why and the Bible. Proverbs 29, verse 18. And uh, you'll be amazed at this. I'm using the King James Version. Uh, Where there is no vision, the people perish But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Where there is no vision, the people perish. I've seen this in so many people's lives. Where there's no purpose, where there's no vision in life. My goodness, how people perish. I don't know about you, but I can only focus on one thing at a time. Now, I know some of you are saying that's because you're a man, but for those of you that are women, you're all... You're all kidding yourself. If you think you can do two things at once, you just do two things rubbishly. Yeah? Absolutely rubbishly. Yeah, you can only focus on one thing at a time. Yeah? And if you're not focused on your Everest, yeah? If you focus on something else, you're not focused on the thing that you're really wanting to achieve, your own personal Everest. Reality is that we cannot do everything all at once and scale our Everest. Something will have to give. Something will need to be dropped as we look at everything through the eyes of vision and purpose. Bill Hybels, who many of you know, uh, an amazing uh, vision caster, church leader, um, said this. A clear vision provides a compelling picture of the future that enables us to say, we know our destination. Nothing will lure us off the path from here to there. We will not be distracted. We will not be distracted. Luke 9 verse 51 says this. As the time approached for him, that's Jesus, 
to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Isaiah 50 verse 7 tells us this, Because the sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Therefore have I set my face like flint, and I know I will not be put to shame. Hebrews 12 verse 2 says this, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You can imagine that throughout Jesus' ministry, he knew the summit. He knew the summit was the cross. He knew where he was heading. But as he got closer, you can imagine the mountain becomes more clear. It becomes more in focus. His emotions would be affected more as he worked his way towards it. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. We will focus on endurance another week. That will be another amazing subject to look at. Philippians 3 verses 13 to 14 says this. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. This is loaded with vision. The scriptures are loaded with vision. Setting our sight on the summit stuff. Forgetting what's behind. What's the problem with giving our attention to things that are past already? What's the problem with that? Many people in our world live in the past. All they do is talk about the things that they've done before. They live in the past. What's the problem with that? It's gone. You can't go forward if you're looking into the past. Very good. Very good. Very good. Let's look at it a bit more. If we're focused on that, we're not giving our attention to what's ahead. If you're a man, there is no chance of us multitasking, yes? Which woman knows that? Yeah? That a man can't multitask and you women who think you can multitask, how many men know that they really can't either? (laughs) So if you're running a race and you're fixated on what you have passed, your attention is not on what's ahead and you're distracted. You'll be thinking all sorts. You might be thinking, wasn't that place I passed a lovely place? Maybe you'll be thinking, didn't it feel good when I was there? I should like to go back there one day to that place that I passed. How many know distraction is the enemy's most lethal weapon to take you out of the game and stop God's plans and purposes in your life? Distraction is my number one enemy. Distraction is the number one enemy that the enemy uses to throw me off course. Even this week, several people... It's like a deluge of people that the enemy sends me sometimes. And they're not nasty people. They're the most lovely people sometimes. But it's just distraction. Michael, can you write five letters for me? It'll only take a few hours. How many people know that distraction takes your eye off the prize? Stops you doing the very thing that God has purposed for you to be doing with your life. 
Distraction is a powerful weapon. And if we're preoccupied with what's gone in the past, the things that we've passed already, we're not focused on the very thing that God wants us to be looking at. Hallelujah. Christian, if all you think about is what you've passed on your race, you're not concentrating on what God has for you ahead, and you're forfeiting seeing the summit and getting there. If you're happy living in the past, great. But if you want to scale your Everest in the here and now, if you've got a pulse in the here and now, then you need to shift your eyes from your backside back to your face where they should be. Paul focused on what was ahead, the prize. Are we focused on the prize or on the past or on distractions taking us away from our calling that God has purposed for us to do? A guy called Ludwig Mies van der Rohe, trying to say that with a sweet in your mouth, said this, it is not possible to go forward while looking back. You know when I have a conversation with you guys at the end of this preach and you tell me a story from your past, I'll know you've not listened to this or processed it. Christian, stop living in your past. If you're living in your past, you can't be focused on what God has for you, a clear vision going ahead. Paul's vision. Paul had this vision of going to Rome. He knew when they put him in chains. I appealed to Caesar. He wanted to go to Rome. Jesus' vision. He was resolute going to Jerusalem. Resolute on going to the cross. Dr. Martin Luther King, his vision was seeing two children, one black, one white, sitting face to face on a seesaw, oblivious to each other's skin. Wilberforce, he cried over and over again to end slavery. He stood before Parliament in 1789, crying for the abolition of slavery. Each year completely defeated for 18 years until 1833, four days before his death, the bill was finally passed and slavery was abolished in the British Empire. Reinhard Bonnke, Africa shall be saved. Nobody's excited. Come on, can I hear an amen? Is anybody with me? These people listening to this message need to know there's some people in the room. It's good. No, there's just me. I'm on my own and I'm just preaching to myself. Anybody got an amen? Hallelujah. Reinhard Bonnke's just gone to be with the Lord. He saw millions of people across Africa come to faith in Jesus because he was resolute in vision. He could have been doing anything with his time. He could have been preaching in America, making lots of money. Yeah, an anointed man of God. But no, 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 no. His vision, his passion, his purpose. Africa shall be saved. Secondly, then we're going to look at purpose. Proverbs 20 Verse 5 says this. The purposes of a person's heart are deep waters, but one who has insight draws them out. Worth repeating. Proverbs 20 verse 5. The purposes of a person's heart are deep waters, but the one who has insight draws them out. Many of you will have heard a billion times about my mate Ian. I'm going to preach about Ian until the cows come home. You'll be sick to death of hearing about Ian. My goodness. But he drew out purpose in my life. You can be one of those people. You can draw out purpose in people's lives. You can see their purpose that they can't even see yet. And you can be the person that draws it out. If you recognize someone in your discipleship over the years 
that drew purpose out of you. Bless them. Go back to them. Say thank you. Thank you. No amen. I'm on my own. I'm on my own. 1 Corinthians 10.31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Our God-given purpose, whatever it is, is not for our glory. Amen? Amen? But for the glory of God. Like a knight in shining armor from a long time ago. I did it all for the glory of God. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Richard. Thank you, brother. Romans 9 verse 17 says this. For scripture says to Pharaoh, I raised you up for this very purpose, that I might display my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. God even gave Pharaoh a purpose to display God's power, and so God's name would be proclaimed in all the earth. I don't know what you think your Everest is. I don't know what you think your vision is for your life, but make sure it's one that lifts up the name of Jesus. Not your name, but his name. The name above all names. Isaiah 48 verse 17 says this. This is what the Lord says. Your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord your God who teaches you what is best for you. Who directs you who directs you in the way you should go. So God wants us to live with what is best for us and with direction in the way we should go. Do we get this, people? God doesn't want you to be aimless in your life. Not his plan for your life. Not his purpose. He wants you to live a purposeful life. He wants you to live a life of direction. Yeah, hallelujah. I want you to know, friend, that this is the truth. If I don't have direction, someone else will give it to me. If I don't have direction, someone else will give it to me. When I haven't got clear vision in my life, someone else pulls me this way and that way and this way, pulls me all over the place with things that they want me to do. And when I've got no clear direction, I end up being pulled off all which ways. Be nice, yeah? Be nice, doing all sorts of nice things, but not the thing that God has clearly for me to do. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Richard. Uh, How many people know if we don't have direction to our lives, someone else will lead us to places we don't want to be? Someone else will be our driver of our bus. And we'll end up and go, how did I get here? You didn't have clear vision operating in your life, clear direction. The Lord Jesus had a clear sense of direction operating in his life. Let's look together at Mark chapter 1, verses 32 to 38. It says, that evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door. And Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons. Amen, Lord, more of that. But he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. 
Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. It's a beautiful passage there. The context is that Jesus, um, not Jesus, the mother-in-law, Simon Peter's mother-in-law was sick, laid in bed. Jesus did an amazing miracle of raising her up and she baked some cookies for him and whatever. Um, and, and then all these other people are like, yeah, I've got someone that needs healing. And Jesus starts healing people, releasing people from demons, all sorts of amazing things. And then Jesus goes off early in the morning to pray to Father. Why? To keep his eye on the prize. Good. To keep his eye on the prize. To keep him, keep his vision set. And so you can imagine Simon Peter and the other apostles, come on Lord, we've got this revival meeting, we've got hundreds of people lined up, we've got the floor on Mabel, she's got a problem with her arm, and we've got, we've got Rose over here, she's got a problem with her leg. And Jesus is like, that's all nice guys. And I love you to bits. But Father says, I'm off this way now. There's other people that we have to see. You see, we're so consumed with people's feelings so often, aren't we? Yeah, that's true. Oh, I just want to, oh, so-and-so has asked me. And it's good to be nice. But God calls us to a life of purpose and direction and vision. Hallelujah. Father God, without... The buzzing of his phone, Jesus without the buzzing of his phone spent time with Father God. Without the buzzing of his phone he needed time one on one with Adonai. After this time it helped him to tell those he loved, yes we've had a blast here but my purpose is sharp and clear. So we're off to the other villages now because I've not come to keep you happy but my purpose is much greater. I'm serving the plans of the Father. I personally need this sort of clarity of vision. How about you? Sad thing is, this week I've wasted some time allowing myself to be distracted in doing things I know I should have set better boundaries with because I wanted to be nice. It's not wrong to be nice, but it's not fulfilling vision, calling and direction. It was a distraction, and I need to learn to say, Father says we're off this way hallelujah but this but that's jesus i can't be like jesus you might be saying well yes you can that's the whole idea of the gospel that we actually copy we become disciples is such a rubbish word we become apprentices of jesus you know what an apprenticeship is that's what the disciples did an apprenticeship and then they were if you like jesus's with different names. That's the whole idea of discipleship. But even if we couldn't copy Christ, let's look at 1 Samuel 30, verses 3 to 7. This is David. When David and his men reached Ziglag, they found it destroyed by fire, and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. David's two wives had been captured, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. <coughs> David was greatly distressed because the men were talking about stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord, his 
God. Then David said to Abiathar the priest, the son of whoever it was, bring me the ephod. Abiathar brought it to him. David prayed and asked what the Lord would have him do. He spent time with Father God. And God directed David and he got an amazing victory. So even if we couldn't become like Jesus, which we can. That's what God wants for us, to become more and more like Jesus. To follow after the template that Jesus has shown. Even King David. Even King David spent time with God and recalibrated vision in the midst of dire circumstances. Someone called Pat Obuchi, whoever it is, says this, you have the answer, just get quiet enough to hear it. This is the problem in our 21st century world, bleep, 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 this is going, this is going, this is distracting us, yeah, I've got to check my phone a thousand, thousand, thousand times a day, oh, I just can't understand why I can't find the answer. What's the answer? The answer is, you have it, just get quiet enough to hear it. As I get closer to the mountain summit, what I see changes before my eyes. Can you picture that? The closer you get to the summit, the summit starts coming up in details you've not seen before. Challenges. How am I going to get up that bit? Did we get that? There are now details I didn't see. That when I was further away, new challenges I see along the journey. Then we have to, like Jesus and David, consult the Father as he continuously keeps us on point, fixes our eyes on the summit, enabling us to scale our Everest. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 1 says this, Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. This was Paul to the local church. He says, follow me as I follow Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. Now that's direction, isn't it? That's purpose. Wow. Matthew 20 verse 18 says this. This is Jesus. We're going up to Jerusalem. And the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death. Jesus Wow, the ultimate visionary, the ultimate person that set his life like flint towards the cross. If he wasn't resolute, he never would have got there, would he? If you're going to a crucifix and you're not resolute, you can think of 10 million other things to do, can't you? My goodness, it's not a party thing, is it? It's not something you look forward to. But Jesus set his course towards Calvary. You know, we as Christians should be the most people fullest of vision, fullest of direction, fullest of purpose. Why? Because we follow Jesus. Yeah. Amen. And yet so often in the church we find people so lacking with vision. Question is which Jesus are you following? The Jesus in the scriptures that we see is one full of vision and purpose, and we need to follow that Jesus. He knew who he was, 
He knew why he'd been put on this earth. He was focused on going to the cross. He did not let anyone or anything knock him off course. He pushed through. He saw his mountain and kept his eye on the summit until it was accomplished. Let me tell you, friend, if you want to be victorious in this life, follow Jesus. Do you know he is the best teacher the world has ever seen? His teachings will revolutionize your world forever. But Jesus came to do more than teach. He came to save you. He came to literally lay his life down in order to rescue and redeem you. His purpose, his vision, his direction and aim was solely to save you. Have you received him as your Lord and Savior? Have you confessed your need to have your sins forgiven? Have you asked Jesus to be the Lord and Master of your life yet? Have you believed and been baptized? There is no greater vision and purpose than following Jesus. He is the one that fills you with new purpose, new vision, new life, gives you an assurance of life everlasting. And if you don't know him yet, don't leave this place today without getting on your knees and receiving him. You know, the more we see clearly where we're heading, the more it becomes clear what we will put our time, energy and resources into. And therefore helps you to say no to those things which are not part of the vision and plan and direction that God has for you. If you're someone who feels pulled in every direction by everything under the sun, ask for clarity of vision, purpose and aim this year. And it will be easier to establish what is not part of where you're going and politely say, I'm not heading that way. I'm going here. This is my purpose. Hallelujah. My last point is planning. Someone once said, if you don't plan, you plan to fail. If you don't plan, you plan to fail. Proverbs 21 verse 5 says this, The plans of the diligent lead to profit, as surely as haste leads to poverty. Plans. We hate this word in Pentecostalism. We like to be the people that, oh, the Holy Spirit does something on the spot. And I love it when the Holy Spirit gives a word, drops something in there just on the day. I just love to hear Holy Spirit. I want to hear him more and more. But the word of God also declares the plans of the diligent lead to profit. God approves of planning. Yeah. I know, not many amens. Nick's with me, but the rest of the people in the room, not quite there yet. Planning is a good thing. Planning will help you to get to the purpose and the vision that you're fixed on. You see, again, if you don't have a plan, someone else will make one for you. How many know if you want to run a marathon, it's not the person who just runs full pelt, passing everyone at the first mile who wins the race? Or necessarily even finishes the race. But the person who plans what their rhythm of running is. And plans tactically when to push and when not to. 
Sometimes as Pentecostals we think planning is evil. It is not. So long as we have the Lord at our planning table and run the decision making through him. Someone called Claudius Cacus said this. Every man is the architect of his own fortune. Every man is the architect of his own fortune. It's so important that we plan for things that we believe is our vision and purpose. Things to think about. In conclusion, or yes but how, God calls us to a life of purpose and vision. It's his plan for our life. There is no confinement to us. Thank you. Thank you, brother. There is no confinement to us. If the only thing that you remember from this morning's message is there is no confinement to your life, I will party like it's 1984. (laughs) If that's the only thing you go home with, then revelation has come to your life and your life will take a completely different course as you realize the exponential possibilities in your life. You're not restricted. You're just as intelligent as the other person that has three degrees. You just need to start. You just need to start. So many of us think we're stupid and can't achieve anything. I have news for you. Stupid person doing a master's degree. You can do anything you put your mind to. You can climb your Everest. Hallelujah. There is no confinement. We follow the most full of vision person who ever lived. Christian, if you say you follow Jesus and you have no purpose and no vision to your life, I question who you are literally following in your everyday. It's not Jesus. Train your gaze to be fixed on what's ahead on Everest. Focusing on Everest blurs out all other distractions. Do I hear an amen? Amen. Do we get what I'm saying? We need to be resolute in what is our vision and purpose. Your vision and purpose should be all for the glory of God. Spend time with the Father. He gives vision and keeps us living purposefully. Make plans today which will work towards your Everest, your goal. Make some plans today. Write some stuff down. I'm going to sign up for that college course. What's the worst thing that could happen to me? Might learn something. Scary. Yeah. Your vision and purpose should be all for the glory of God. Spend time with the Father. Make plans today which will work towards your goal. The greatest vision of all made a way for you to be saved? Have you received the prize he won, eternal life, relationship with the living God, healing, wholeness, sins forgiven? Give your life to Jesus today. Make that your greatest purpose and vision today. In 2020, let your vision be to pursue Christ completely, like Nick's been speaking about this morning. Let's just pray together.